Let's go. Here we go with the great, the one, the only, Larry Fitzgerald. Let's go. Presented by Hertz. Fitz, did you have a great Christmas? It was great, Jim. I feel like I could be voted father of the year today. Took the boys to the football game. Um, it was tough to see my Cardinals lose, but they got a chance to meet Tom after the game, and they were elated by that. It was uh, very gracious of him to take some time. And, you know, he gave them really great advice. You know, if you want to be an athlete, the things that you need to be thinking about in terms of your mental preparation, you know, leadership qualities, all the things that he's exemplified over his entire career. And, you know, I, I remember just seeing them in the car and they're calling all their friends and, you know, telling them, you know, what Tom Brady had talked to him. And that is just, it's just, that's who he is. And, you know, we, you and I have had the great fortune of knowing him for a very long time. And to see him in that in that element, you know, amongst kids who idolize him and look up to him and want to do the things that he's done and for him to be so gracious with his time, you know, it meant a lot to them. It meant a lot to me. So y'all had some sweaters in your Christmas card. Beautiful boys, just beautiful boys. <laughs> but what was, what was going on with that theme? You know, it's, we went with the ugly sweater theme uh, this year for the Christmas card, Jim. You know, you want to change it up. You know, we always try to do something something different and cool. But I let them kind of decide. I give them like 10 options and, you know, say, guys, what do you think of this, this outfit? What do you think of this outfit? And, you know, it, all three of them decided they wanted to go with that sweater. So I said, let's do it. And, and that was what we rolled with. Our program is brought to you and presented by Hertz. It hurts. You can change the scenery without ever changing your standards. That's right. No matter where you are. With Hertz, you'll always find exactly the right vehicle to make your let's go moment unforgettable. Visit Hertz.com to book today. Hertz, let's go. So Fitz, let's talk about the game that you were at. It was a it was a bit of a stinker, Jim. I think anybody watching it, you know, for those first three and a half quarters would say it wasn't the the greatest show of, of offensive prowess. You know, it was a lot of incompletions, a lot of mishaps, a lot of just, you know, uneventful football. But you know, Tom Brady does what he usually does when it matters the most. He's able to muster up, you know, play after play. Um, you know, it looked pretty bleak. You know, the Cardinals had an untimely fumble with the lead in the Buccaneers territory. And uh, that fumble really kind of changed the dynamic of the game. They went down, they scored a touchdown um, and, and forced a punt and got the game into overtime. And so, like, it, it just, you know, it was, it was a plethora of mistakes, um, a few interceptions, fumbles. It wasn't the greatest game I've ever been to. <laughs> Somebody's coming out of the NFC South. If the Bucs win against Carolina, who looked really good against Detroit, ran the ball for over 300 and something yards, they have a path to the playoffs. If the Bucs win, the Bucs are in the playoffs. Can't count right now yet. New Orleans out. They still have a shot. Yet you see the type of football that was played last night. One of these teams is going up against Dallas. Looks like they're locked in at five. Stranger things have happened, but... Um, is it time almost to change this format and do away with the divisions? No, I don't I don't think we should do that, Jim. I mean, I think there's a reason, you know, you have to put a lot of stock into going and beating the teams that are in your division. You got to play each team uh, twice, home and away. And I, I like that, you know, you're rewarded for playing well in your division. Um, and there's times, you know, even back all the way to our year we went to the Super Bowl, we were, you know, a nine and seven football team by no stretch of the imagination a great football team, but we got hot at the right time. And that's the wonderful thing about the playoffs is, is one game elimination. If you play better than that team on that particular day, no matter what your record is, you advance. And, you know, we, you know, we beat three teams that were probably better than us in the regular season, but we were able to get past them because we played better than that day. And you never know in, in those games, um, you know, Tampa's lucky enough to be able to host 
um, a game against the Dallas Cowboys. They beat them earlier in the season. Um, obviously, both teams are different than they were at that point, but all, all bets are off. And you got the greatest player in history on the football field, um, you know, in a f- very familiar situation, playing in playoff games. And so, like, I, I think we need to continue to stay with the division um, champions being able to host a playoff game. Chris Collinsworth made a comment last night, and we rarely talk about what guys say on the air because it's a difficult job and they're making snap assessments. And uh, he's obviously been a, a terrific analyst for a long, long time and uh, does a terrific job on, on Sunday night football. But he made a comment uh, on a missed pass from Brady to Russell Gage when he said, I don't know what I'm seeing here anymore. It's like LeBron James missing a layup. So I don't know what it is that Chris Collinsworth is seeing, but when a comment like that comes out, that sets a tone for what the nation begins to believe. And everybody saw what has happened with Tom the last few weeks with the turnovers and the interceptions, having three in the first whatever it was, 11 or 12 games, and now a number of them in the last three games. LeBron James does miss layups. He also wins a lot of games going to be the leading scorer in the history of the National Basketball Association and about six 600 more points, which is 25 games or so. Flipping comments, when you're a player, how do you take them? Well, I mean, the media is going to make comments, right? They're going to say things that, um, you know, that you don't particularly always agree with. But, you know, Tom hasn't played great over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's not a 35-year-old quarterback, not a 25-year-old quarterback. He's a 45-year-old quarterback. And obviously he's much closer to the end than he is to the beginning. And, you know, have we seen him play um, the way he's played over the last few weeks? Probably not. But that isn't, that's not an indication that the end is near or he's, you know, not able to perform at the same level. I think you have to take in consideration everything that's going on around him. You know, his offensive line has been completely decimated, lost another starter uh, to a season ending injury. And I don't care who you are, quarterback, you know, people around you, just bodies around your legs, people hitting your arms like you saw yesterday. Like, it's it's difficult. It's a difficult task. And, um, you know, I think we need to judge him based on what's most important. Um, was the performance yesterday the greatest we've ever seen? No. But when he walked off that field, he was victorious. Um, and his, his team is, you know, a game or two away from hosting the playoff divisional game round. And, you know, that's – that's what you play the game for. And um, I, I think Tom has a lot of good football left in him. And um, I, I'm not ready to write him off. So am I making too much of that comment? No, I, I think it's important that we we talk about it because there are comments that are made and we, we hear them, we see them on TV, we hear them on the radio, we listen to different podcasts and we hear them. You know, people, you know, going to have their opinions. They're going to say the things that they feel um, is pertinent to to the material they're talking about, but that doesn't mean we all have to listen to that narrative or buy into it. And how much do you think announcers, the Tony Romo's, Troy Aikman's, Chris Collinsworth's, uh, and the gentlemen that they're with that, that call these games do set the tone? Um, do, do they have the ability to protect guys and do they have the ability to break guys? I think it has a major effect. Jim, um, you know, on the general public, I would say that 90 percent of the people who are watching the telecast don't understand the the true dynamics of the game that they're watching. And they have to be broken down, not be broken down, but have to have the game broken down to them by a Chris Collinsworth or or a, 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 a Jim Nance or a Tony Romo to be able to help them understand 
exactly what they're seeing because they don't understand it like a former player or a player or somebody like yourself who's been covering the game for 40 plus years and understand it intimately. So I think it dev definitely does have a way of shifting the public's view. But if you watch the game the way we do, you 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 watch you know every play and you understand you know why they're throwing the po the, the, the post as opposed to throwing the the dig route. You know like you really understand it um, the way we do, you know, you have a different interpretation of what you're seeing. So I want to be clear. I'm not being critical of an announcer. They are allowed to form their opinions and make their analysis. And Chris Collinsworth has done a terrific job for a long time. I'm not trying to dissect what he has to say. His comments are his comments. So my question really is, does it set the public perception, which you just answered, and B, how is that taken by guys who go home, whose families hear this, whose organizations hear this, whose fans hear this, and how much does that spill over into what they then have to carry? It depends on the person, Jim. It really does depend on the person. You know, in my, in my particular situation, it never really affected me much because I wasn't concerned what the national media or the local media had to say. What mattered to me was what my coaches felt about me, what my teammates felt about me. Now, if they had something that they, they needed to get to me, Fitz, we need you to play better. We don't we don't think you're doing this well enough. They would come to me because that's the, the relationship and the rapport that we built over years and years and years. And I would appreciate that insight and I appreciate that input. And I would go about addressing the things that I would see. But never would I make moves or or think about, you know, oh, Jim Gray said this about me on his podcast or such and such wrote this about me in in in, in an article in a newspaper. That didn't that didn't matter to me. What mattered was the guys that were in the foxhole with me and what they thought about it. But not everybody's like that. You know, you can get it. You pick up your phone now, and there's hundreds of Twitter's accounts, thousands of Twitter accounts, and Instagram accounts, and fan pages, and and blogs of people saying things. If you want to engage in that and you want to listen to that that rhetoric, like that definitely will have an effect on you. But if you are strong but enough, you have to, to you have to seek that out. You, you do. and your family well, a lot of have people to seek do. that out. People are not seeking that out when they're sitting home watching the national game. They're ingesting that because they're watching the game. Yeah, you're, you're right. But I'm talking about from a player perspective. If you're talking about when a player... Yeah, but the family passes it on. The family True. said, did you hear? I True. heard what this guy said about you. Yes, yes. I mean, it, that does have an effect. And you know, my dad being a journalist for all those years, he would come to me at times and I, and I would have that conversation with dad. I'm not, I'm not interested... And what they're saying about me, I don't, I don't care. What I would like to do is just have this dinner with you, like we always do after our games. Let's enjoy the time that we're spending together here with the family. Let's talk about things that are actually pertinent to what we are doing. Like I can care less about what they're saying. So, like you have to take the onus, and you have to take the ownership of what you want to hear and what you allow people to put into your mind. That's very important. Boomer Esiason's assessment, or Coach Cowher's assessment, or whoever was on television, it never got to you. No, no, I, I, I did everything I could to to block all of that out, uh, but I never, I never seeked it, and I, and I asked people around me not to bring it to me because it's not important. It's not going to change anything, Jim. It's not going to change anything. All it would do, if I found out, it would probably have an adverse effect on the relationship that I have with those people. Just because you're human and you don't want to hear people say negative things about you, and I don't want to have that. I don't want to have that feeling. I want to be able to walk into that locker room. And be able to have a, a conversation with a journalist that might have wrote something I didn't particularly like and still be able to give him the material that he needs to be able to do his job and for me to be unbiased about that. Like, and I think that served me personally better. And I wish more people had 
take that point of view because it would make the relationship between the media and the players a lot better because they're not all the time taking shots at you to because they don't personally like you. They're just saying these things based on what they see and their observations. They're just analyzing what they right. see is in front of them. Right. Yes, that's, that's a it. great comment that you just that had. That doesn't make it right, though, Jim. That does not make it right and doesn't make it factual. What a great perspective. That's a terrific thought process. That's what it is to be a professional, a true professional. What you just stated to the public, that's great stuff. Larry, I know you had to make some withdrawals because, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just Santa helping kick in things here. It, it, it was probably your bank account and Bank of America, sponsor of our show. Digital tools are so impressive. You just can't stop banking on or off the field. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. What would you like the power to do? Member FDIC. All right, just in wrapping this up, I believe anything that anybody says that happens to somebody on the field is fair game as long as it's not malicious and mean that they are doing their job, just like it's our job, my job to ask questions. And the questions, as long as they're coming from a place of trying to analyze and get a true assessment of what has gone on, are all fair. It's interesting, however, to hear the perspective because we rarely do. We hear the venom, but we don't hear the perspective at how, of, of how exactly it affects the players and their families and the coaches and the people who are making a living. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said that any better, Jim. And I think that's what actually grows the game a little bit, Jim, is when, you know, analysts say things and players make comments on their social media accounts that actually, you know, the, the venom sells, Jim, unfortunately, in sports, you know, the rivalries and, you know, just the, the back and forth is, is is actually, you know, the fans love it. They love it. They love that type of engagement. And and that's kind of where we are. Um, you know, the relationship between, you know, the media and the players can, has always been contentious, and I think it it will always be contentious. <laughs> yes, it will, and it's getting uh, it's getting more so because the divide is widening. Players well, don't need the media like they used to because they have their own social media channels and can communicate directly their own message to the public. And and the, also the barrier of entry for media is a lot lower too, Jim. You know, when you first got into the business, you know, and you know, some some writer from from the you know the New York Post or the the Los Angeles Times or some accredited columnist who's writing was giving you information like he that person that man or woman has earned the the right to be able to to write at a paper of that quality right now. They also had an editor. They had somebody yes. behind them yeah. who was Fact theoretically even checking. more responsible yeah. than was the writer uh, that yeah. was presenting the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not about what's right. It's about what's fastest now. How can I get my material out the fast? It doesn't even need to be right. Just let's just get it. Let's get it out. I want to be the first to release it. Were you a victim of that? Um, no, not 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 too often. I think that's one of the, the benefits, I guess, of playing in a small market. Um, you know, it's it's not like playing in Philadelphia, right? It's not like playing in Chicago. It's not like playing um, in New York City or Boston, where you know sports is truly a religion, and you know everybody has an interest in it. You know, my grandfather had been a season ticket holder for for sixty years. I mean, so you you are really truly you know, bought into, you know, how the Red Sox are doing and the moves that they make. And I like guess it's, it's just not like that out here.
Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald, our program is Let's Go, and we're brought to you by Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse. From tender grilled steaks to decadent desserts and an impeccable wine list, Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse will surpass your expectations by treating you to an extraordinary dining experience. Visit delfriscos.com to make your reservations. Larry, how about them Jaguars? The Jaguars, you pronounce them dead. <laughs> They're back from dead. They're alive and well. You got to tip your hat to to to, to Coach Doug Peterson, and and also um, Lawrence has been playing really really good uh, over the last few weeks. But Jim, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I will give them a lot of credit for beating the Dallas Cowboys. That was an outstanding game. But Zach Wilson and the Jets—they are on life support, Jim. And they are on life support, and the Jags. You know, it was a, it was a nasty game. It was raining. It was cold. It was windy, and they just beat them up. Um, you know, so. Tennessee dropping that game yesterday to the Houston Texans. It, it's it's going to be a tight one down the wire. And uh, week 18, Jim, guess who's playing each other? Titans, Jaguars. It's going to be a great matchup for a uh, home field playoff game. And, uh, you, you, I mean, Doug has done a great job. I mean, they, they started off really hot. Then they kind of went through a, through a down period. But as of late, they played really, really good football. And Trevor Lawrence has, has protected the football, hasn't made a lot of mistakes you know, you forget how athletic he is, Jim. When he gets out of that pocket, I mean, he is he is a athlete. I mean, he's just as good an athlete as a Daniel Jones or any other guys who run for a lot of yards. And, you know, he's he's accurate. He's got tremendous arm strength. And he's playing with a lot of confidence right now. He's playing with a lot of confidence. You mentioned Zach Wilson, and he was 9 for 18, just 92 yards. He was, he was replaced by Chris Strebler. Uh, raises an interesting question. Which Wilson out there is worse? Zach or Russell? I would definitely say Zach is because Russell still has 150 million guaranteed, no matter <laughs> no matter what. I'll take Russell Wilson's position any day of the, any day of the week. Joe. <laughs> and whose performance on the field has been? Oh, more yesterday abysmal. Russell Wilson was he was he was abysmal yesterday, Jim. That was that was tough to watch. I had to. I was watching a little bit of it early, and I, I had to turn that off, Jim. It's. Whew. I haven't seen I haven't seen a decline like this, you know, from from a great player. Like, I, mean, I I can't I can't think of one. I mean, it's just this decline has been so steep, Jim, so steep. And then you know, you watch his press conference, and he he just seems like he's he's mystified. He's surprised that we're he's playing right now. Um, he's searching for answers of of why you know they played so poorly this year and you know you almost, you almost feel bad for him you know because he's just he's not accustomed to it he's doesn't understand why you know this has happened and um you know i i you know for him hope he can get it figured out this offseason whatever he needs to do physically mentally psychologically to be able to come back and um you know get the ship together and larry things have gotten worse uh, for the broncos this morning uh one day after this drubbing to the rams and the coach, Nathaniel Hackett, saying after the game, we weren't ready to play. Don't think I've ever heard a coach say that. Well, he's not coaching anymore. He's been relieved of his duties by the new ownership group, uh, uh, Rob Walton, Walton Penner Group, and uh, George Payton, the general manager, Larry. So when you don't have your team ready to play, uh, he wasn't their pick. He was Payton's pick. Uh, Payton uh, worked for the last group, uh, the Bolin family. Bolin Family Trust, Joe Ellis, 
uh, had installed him to take over for John Elway. Uh, and after 15 games, his pick is gone. And quite frankly, he wasn't ready to coach. Well, Jim, when you make a, a comment like that after a game, it's kind of the kiss of death, in my opinion. Um, when you're assessing a coach and his ability to lead men, you, you, you have to you have to look at it and say, look, if, if his players are not responding to him, how can he coach him? How can he hold them accountable? How can he get them to be better and be the very best when they step out there on that field on Sunday? And that comment, I think, you know, really was indicative of what kind of season they, they had, Jim. Um, it was disconnected, um, miscommunication, fighting within uh, the team, disruption on the sidelines. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate for a first-year head coach, but it's, it's so very important to be able to command the room and have the players be able to respect you and go out there and execute what you and your coaching staff is is trying to implement. And, you know, you, you saw from from week one, it, it was a, it was a struggle. And it doesn't help when when your franchise quarterback, a player that you've given up essentially the next three years of your future for doesn't come in and perform the way you had anticipated him performing. The picks that they've given up, that's oh. the third pick in the draft right now for Russell Wilson. Not only are you going to be hamstrung with his salary and his performance, but now you're losing these very, very valuable picks. I mean, the third pick in the draft can be an impact player on your team forever. Eight years, 10 years. It's going to be really tough to to put this, the, these pieces back together. Yeah, this I mean, puzzle's it's, really broken. It, it, this puzzle's really broken. And I also think the head coaches that are they're going to be interviewing, the, the guys who are established winners, the Sean Paytons of the world, are going to look at this situation and say, there's, there's no way in hell I, I want anything to do with this. You know, you have a franchise quarterback that you're tied to for the next two years who has played the worst of his career. You have guys on the team that don't believe that he can lead them. Like, how can I come in and coach this and expect it to get better, right? So the coaches you're going to be reaching out to, I would say a lot of them would say, look, I, I just don't think this is the job for me. Um, and so it's, well, Mr. it's Walton it's, has a lot of money. Mr. Walton paid four and a half plus billion dollars for this. So money we were talking about your bank account. Uh, you know, a lot of guys in professional football, uh, I'm not saying this is Sean Payton and I'm not saying this is some elite coach is going to jump in here, but money does kind of have a way of changing, changing people's attitudes. No, it definitely does. But you also want to have a chance to win and succeed, though, Jim. Uh, I think that's very important. And that's the thing that's very tough about the National Football League. When these coaching jobs open up, there's a reason that these jobs are opening up, because the team is poor. It, they have not performed to the abilities um, that, that the standard has been set. Um, and, and so it, it's it's rough. It, it, it's, really, it's really rough. Um, and you do kind of have to take the opportunities that are given to you, um, even when it's even when the house is on fire. I feel bad for Bronco fans. I grew up a Bronco fan. I grew up at Bear Stadium. Uh, my dad got tickets for, for me and my brothers. And the fans there, they understand what it's like to have a terrible team. They went through it in the 60s. Uh, Lou Saban, half a loaf, settling for a tie against Miami. They thought that, you know, tying a game was, was, was good. Um, then came John Ralston, and, and he brought respectability. And Red Miller took him to the Super Bowl. And things changed when John Elway arrived with, with Dan Reeves and, and then finally winning with Mike Shanahan and then Peyton Manning. So there had been a progression that had been 
after a very poor start for a long time in the AFL. The only reason the franchise existed was because of Floyd Little. Now we're back to a depth that was lower, I believe, right now. After having tens of thousands of people on a waiting list wanting to see Bronco games, you can get in for now 12 bucks. Well, Jim, I, I'm sad, and I feel bad for the fans. Well, Jim, I, I don't feel nearly as bad for Broncos fans as I do for Jets fans or Detroit Lion fans or Arizona Cardinal fans who've suffered for a very, very long time. You guys have three championships since uh, 1996, Jim. I mean, that's... That's that's not that's not bad. Well, that, that, that's really good. But you also have tens of thousands of fans waiting to get in. The Jets don't have that. Cardinal seats are empty. Cardinal seats are empty on Christmas of playing against the greatest player in the history of the game. So it is a different fan base. When you talk mm -hmm. about these other cities that suffered, yes, you feel bad for those fans. I'm just speaking specifically about Bronco fans because that was the only team in the region that people would gravitate toward. It wasn't the Nuggets. They didn't have professional baseball. Rockies are Johnny come lately in terms of, of uh, their their history and tradition in Denver. And uh, the Avalanche have come in and done great. But again, hockey was not indigenous to Denver other than University of Denver hockey. I don't need to give everybody a history lesson here on Colorado sports. But when you talk about fan bases elsewhere, that wasn't what they all held on to like they do in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. There There's a standard of excellence that has been set. Um, you know, especially over the last two decades, I would say. I'm Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald. Our show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team at K.com slash true fans and celebrate the love of the game with K. Every kiss begins with K. Larry, were you singing Christmas carols or just the K carol? That wasn't me, Jim. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, that might have been Snake. Misidentified. Well, we'll get Siri on that. I think Siri has pretty good voice recognition. We'll see. Larry, why don't you want to own that before we go to this break? That's a beautiful uh, rendition. Jim, that wasn't me, Jim. I don't know who was singing that. Whoever was singing it should keep their day job. <laughs> you retired from that. What is your day job? I'm 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 your crony now, Jim. <laughs> I'm your I'm your minion. <laughs> my my entourage of one. Stay with us yeah. right here on Let's Go on Sirius XM. We'll be right back. Hey there, everybody. I'm Jake Mitz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman, and we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. If you like your baseball analysis with a dash of joy and fun, then boy, oh boy, do I have the podcast for you. Jordan and I break down all things MLB and beyond twice a week, every Monday and Thursday here on Baseball Barbacast. You can download the Baseball Barbacast on the SXM app, available with all of our trials and popular plans, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I guarantee a good time. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by USAA. USAA was started in 1922 by a group of soldiers who made a promise to always take care of their own. And after 100 years, USAA is still serving the military and their families. Find out more at USAA.com slash 100. USAA. Well, a man that we must salute and a man that we all admired and had tremendous respect for, a beloved figure, 
Uh, it's been a few days now uh, with the passing of Franco Harris, tragically, just before the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which was voted the greatest play in the history of the National Football League. He was honored this weekend. His number retired. Team honored him by going out and beating the Raiders. You went to school in Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh. You've been accustomed to seeing Franco throughout the years and getting to know him. What do you remember most about how he handled his interactions with you? Well, Jim, I, you know, watching that Raiders-Steelers game and seeing all those players um, come into that building, you know, not one of them, you know, was alive, you know, when 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 he played. Um, but just I think that it really showed just what he means to that organization, to that city of Pittsburgh. And, you know, I don't think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who had a negative interaction with, with Mr. Harris. I remember vividly meeting him. For the first time, I was I was uh, I had just turned 20 years old at the Dapper Dan Award. It's, it's uh, awarded to a sportsman in, in Pittsburgh. It was my sophomore year of college, and I remember him coming there and having a conversation with him and Mr. Rooney, who would, they were there together, and him just kind of just laying on the line what it was expected when you play in the city of Pittsburgh. How you know, the people are blue collar, hardworking. They they really really admire sports players who not only compete very hard on the field um, or the court or the ice, but also give back to their communities. And he said that was the standard. And I always remember him giving me that that talk. And every time I would see him from that point on, um, you know, he would tell me, you know, Larry, you know, you, you've done a good job. And, you know, you continue, you need to continue to push the envelope. And he was always such a positive influence on everybody's life, mine included. And, um, you know, he and the play he made, uh, the Mac, uh reception, still stands the test of time as you know the greatest play in NFL history. And and I would go even further and saying maybe you know the greatest man to play in the National Football League in terms of the quality of a human being. And so uh, I think you know it was fitting you know the, the celebration that they had for him. I wish he was alive to be able to enjoy it, but man, he's made an indelible mark on so many people. You know, the thing that keeps coming back and that you keep hearing and, and through my own experience as well, having interviewed him several times and he was just gracious. I, I did not know him well, uh, did get to spend quite a bit of time with him uh, at the birthday party for Terry Bradshaw's 70th birthday that he had at his ranch in Oklahoma. He was just great with everybody, but we got to talk quite a bit and we'd see him at the big games uh, uh, when I was working the radio broadcast, uh, doing Super Bowls on television and so forth. And he was always just that guy who had time. He was never in a hurry. Uh, he had time for everybody from every walk of life, whether it was just a fan, uh, whether it was the chairman of the board, whether it was one of the guys cleaning up the stadium, whether it was the media. Um, and that always impressed me, and it seems to have been something that resonated with everybody, Larry. And uh, having been able to see him so many times, did, was that your impression as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even the, the few the 10 interactions I had with him personally, but every time I was around him and people would come up to him, it was the same. You would hear the same thing. Mr. Harris, you came and visited, you know, my mom was a teacher in Swickley and you came and visited her classroom and talked about the importance of education and work ethic or, you know, you. I used to go to your church with you. You know, you, you were always so friendly and kind whenever I had interaction with you at church or um, I remember you know, at training camp, you stand after practice and sign in the autographs for an hour after you were finished. Like it was the, the themes were always the same. Every time I was with them, people would come up to him. They always were talking about 
the quality things he would do to have a positive impact in people's lives. It didn't matter young or old. It was the same story. So it was indicative of, of who he was and the kind of character that he, uh, he lived by. We're all going to miss him. We're going to miss his presence. We're going to miss his positivity. Yes, we'll be able to relive uh, through all the interviews and, and countless times he appeared on everybody's air. Uh, so that portion of him will uh, be able to educate others on just who he was in that play. But come Super Bowl time, that's going to be a big void. Come Hall of Fame time, that's going to be a big void. We send our condolences to his family and to all the Steelers fans and to uh, everybody who loved uh, Franco Harris. I'm Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald. We're here on Let's Go. Our program is brought to you by American Express. You know, it's easy to get excited about going to a game, hearing the sound of the whistle, smelling those game day concessions from your seat. It's the stuff that reminds you of the thrill of the game. And you know that Amex will be with you every step of the way because when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. One team that's been giving a lot of people headaches and they've been giving people beatings are those San Francisco 49ers, winners of eight straight. They're a team to be reckoned with as we go down the stretch here. I mean, they have arrived, who would have thought it, on their third quarterback of the season, that uh, this is a group that uh, – who wants to play them ever? No, Nobody. Now, you, you, look, you look at their team and how complete they are in all three phases, and then you take into consideration the quality of the coaching – um, D'Amico Ryans, who I think will be um, highly coveted this offseason, you know, for a head coaching job. Um, and obviously Kyle Shanahan and the way he's able to mix up his play calling. I think personally the best play caller in the National Football League. Nobody knows how to use his weapons and put them in positions um, to exploit defensive coverage as well as he does. I mean, the guy's a mastermind at it. Um, he's got a quarterback who understands – what his strengths, what his weaknesses are, plays to his strengths, doesn't put his defense in bad position. They are playing defensively the best in the game right now. I think led by defensive player of the year, front runner Nick Bosa, who had two sacks again on Saturday. Um, they are just a completely dynamic team. And I mean, they it's gonna be it's gonna take a special performance to knock them out of these playoffs. Nick Bosa, 17 and a half sacks. Oh, wow. He's 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 two he's two sacks away from tying Alden Smith um for the for the team record. And I mean, he's there's nobody that stands to benefit as much as he does. I mean, this is a contract year for him. I know, you know, his brother got a big deal with the Chargers a year and a half ago, and he's he's right in line to be one of the highest paid, you know, defensive players in the game as well. I mean, he's he's had a sensational season. You bring up the word contract, and, and now the Las Vegas Raiders have a very interesting circumstance facing themselves uh, with Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr was awful again uh, in that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, three interceptions, a couple of batted balls, uh, and some bad passes, and, and just an inability to move the team and to, and to take advantage of, of what's around him. Uh, they bring in Adams. Uh, Adams not targeted much uh, by Carr during the game. Uh, Josh Jacobs sounding after the game, uh, sounding off uh, uh, with his frustration. But it comes back to Derek Carr. He's been frustrating to watch for Raider fans for an awful long time. His contract uh, will be up, and they can get out of the guarantee, uh, $40 million next year if they exercise it. If he stays healthy, uh, a few days after the season is the window. What would you do with this going forward, Larry? Um, Derek Carr has proven that he is somewhere between the 12th best quarterback in the NFL and the 24th. 
Um, so he wins games, but he loses a lot, and he's taking you really nowhere. Never won a playoff game. What do you do now with $40 million staring you in the face with that, with that equation? You've taken a big leap when you brought in Devontae Adams this offseason. And a large part of Devontae Adams wanting to come to Las Vegas was to play with Derek Carr. So if you make a decision on taking Derek Carr out of this scenario, what does that do to Devontae Adams? Does that make him want to have an exit as well? So there's a lot of things that you have to consider. But I want to also talk about this. I've been in quarterback purgatory before. And when you have a quarterback, like you said, is between the, the 12th and 24th best player, you have a chance to compete, Jim. You have a chance to compete. You put the right pieces of the puzzle around them. You have a contract that's not egregious. You know, it's not like you're, you have the Russell Wilson contract or you have a Deshaun Watson contract where it limits your ability to go out there and, and, and address some of the issues that you have on your, on your football team. And Derek can play. In, in certain situations, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they rattled off three, three straight games in a row when they were playing really good football, all of that was predicated on his play. Right. But if you go out there and you get rid of him and you try to try to find that next player and he's not the player that even Derek Carr was. Now you're you're, you're starting all over again. Um, you got you got you got Josh Jacobs, who's leading the National Football League in rushing, um, who's played dynamic this year you have you know tight end and darren waller who's a perennial pole ball player and obviously devonta adams who's an all pro performer and all these guys enjoy playing with Derek Carr. They have a relationship with them so you have to also consider how that would how 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 those players would take him um, well, they can't you know, enjoy the losing they can't Look, enjoy the fact that he doesn't make a big play ever and 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 i understand everything you say and it's really well thought out and it's and it's really true you've been in quarterback purgatory and a lot of clubs find themselves and but the the retort to that and the flip side to that would be yes you know what you're getting and what you're getting isn't good enough what you're getting is a quarterback who has a 9 year track record of just exactly what stuck between 12 and 24 without a playoff victory so do you keep doing that? Do you keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again because you know what you have and what you have, I don't know what you call it, barely adequate? Or do you at some point say we've we've got to do better and and try something else? It's it's a hard place to be. Well, you know, I mean, I, just just a just a bit of a year and a half ago, the the Raiders were in the playoffs. And were essentially hoodwinked out of a playoff game in Cincinnati last year, Jim, realistically. They, they for all intents and purposes, they should have beat the Bengals last year in the playoffs. Had had, had the debacle with the referees and the situation not occurred, the they, they would have won. With the whistle, yes, with the whistle. They they sh they should have won that game, Jim. I mean, I, I think anybody listening to this, you would agree with me in that in that statement. So he's good enough to take them to the playoffs. He's good enough to win playoff games, Jim. He's good but enough to win playoff games. The reality is, is is on the last drive, he didn't even throw the ball into the end zone with four attempts from from inside the red zone. So the reality is, is he didn't make the play from whatever he was on the ten yard line with four attempts. Doesn't even throw it to the end zone four times. If you're a Raider fan or if you're the Raider organization, you got to shake your head and walk away and say, yes, that whistle cost us the game, but we had a chance to win. And our quarterback didn't even have the wherewithal at that moment to understand that the ball has to go into the end zone at least one of those four times. Okay, so, Jim, if, you, if you're saying this, what, what, you, you don't agree who, with it? 
No, I agree. I do agree. Uh, but we're taking the that one sample size and 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 kind of using that as the reason that they should move on from him. So, well, no, my you're question, the one that question, said they should have beat Cincinnati. What about the well, other they, eight years then? They should have. But Jim, my question is, who out there would you would you think would be a viable option for him? I'm like, not who, a general out manager. There, I'm, I'm just asking though. I'm, I'm I'm just asking. Do you address that in the in the draft? Or do you go out there and find somebody who you think you can win with today and have to give up considerable, you know, continuity in, in your franchise, in your organization, in your team to be able to make that happen? It's a big problem, but it's interesting that I hear you say $40 million isn't that egregious. It's not. It's not. I mean, that's the going rate for the quarterback position right now, and it's only going, it's only <laughs> yeah, going up. But, Jim, I, I'm just saying this. I, we're, this offseason – we're going to have two guys who are going to compete for the highest contracts in the history of the game. This offseason, you, you talk about $40 million being a lot. I think Justin Herbert and also Joe Burrow will set the bar um, for, you know, 45 to $50 million average. And Lamar Jackson will be somewhere in that ballpark as well. So, uh, Jim, that's, that's just where the game is going. You know, you see the revenue that's being produced. The cap continues to go up. Like you can't You can't just say – Look I'm at trying this to number. follow what you're trying. I'm trying to follow what you're saying. Justin Herbert is the best young quarterback, along with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, in the National Football League, and you're trying to say that he shouldn't be paid at a rate that's better than because the going rate of Derek Carr, who's tried and tested and failed. I'm trying to follow exactly what you're saying. Yes, and Joe Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Okay, whether yeah. the whistle blew or not, he went to the Super Bowl. It has nothing to do. It has nothing to do. With the player, it's about the times. Deshaun Watson is the highest paid quarterback in the National Football League, and he hadn't played in 600 days. Like it's it's about the need. And how's right? that going? It's it's still it's still to be determined. They have it's had, not he going too well yet. He, he hasn't played in 600 days. And what what did you expect? You think he was going to come out and throw for 400 yards a week and for four touchdowns? And the guy hadn't played. Like it just that is that's not realistic expectations, Jim. It's not that's not realistic. But to say that Derek Carr should be relieved of his duties for the Raiders, I, I think that's a little far-fetched. Well, let me ask you, do you I, I think Coach Belichick or do you think do you think Coach Belichick or somebody else would say, I can fix Derek Carr? Do you think do you think that Josh McDaniels thinks that he can fix him if he stays? Do you think that there is somebody out there who's gonna say, let's put our marbles in this basket if he does leave? Absolutely. I can I can a name good team? you a good team. I, I you said a team. There's there's plenty of teams that that could that could be um that could use him and and, and that could help him there's no question about that name one the arizona cardinals they need they need they need a quarterback in in the end terms i think for all intents and purposes kyler murray's gonna probably miss the whole 2023 season um you you, you look at teams like the atlanta falcons marcus Mariota's is not the long-term long-term answer there look at the new orleans saints um, you look at the Jets. Carolina, you look at the Carolina Panthers, you look at, you look at the Jets. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of teams, perhaps there's a lot the of Patriots. teams, perhaps the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no shortage of, of teams that need a quarterback that's proven that can win football game. Houston Texans. And what um, do you think the Raiders will do at the end of this? Discussion I think they'll, I think they they'll keep, have. I think they'll keep them. And and if I was them, I would go back to them and try to renew redo a deal at a, at a little bit lower number. Just based on look, we we know what we have here. We love having you here, but we need you to play at this number. And and if he was agreeable to that, 
then, then you I say will, we love having you here. I don't know. You know, if you're basing it on the fans, just just listen to what it is that they're saying. I'm just saying yeah. as, a, as a as a business, Jim. I'm not worried about what the fans are saying. I'm talking about as well, a Well, the as fans a business. are the business. The fans are the ones that go to the stadium. Jim, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance to compete in this league. You do not have a chance to compete in this league. Their car is better than anybody that you'll be able to get in free agency, in my opinion. In my opinion. You're like, probably you don't have right. To have You're a probably right. But that's what makes this so interesting, and that's yeah. why it's such a conundrum. Mm -hmm. It's really a difficult spot to be in. I'm keeping them, Jim. I would like to reduce his number, but I, I would like to keep him. That, that would be my thought process. And when you keep him, final thought on this subject, do you think you can actually win and and go a long way with him going forward? Yes, I, I believe so. I, I believe that they can be a playoff football team. Yes. Now, there are some things that are difficult because they're always going to probably have to be a wild card team because Kansas City for the foreseeable future Unless something crazy were to happen, they're not they're they're not going anywhere with Pat Mahomes playing there. So do I think they can be a playoff team, wildcard playoff team? Yes, I, I do believe that. And the Chargers. Yeah. Well, Coach Staley, I it's that's that's a tough one for me to 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 realistically. Yeah, but they have believe. the quarterback. They Coach have Staley the quarterback. may be gone. Coach Staley may be gone, but when you've got a young quarterback that can play like this and you're just talking mm -hmm. about what they're gonna have to pay him, yeah. You know, once you have that piece solved. Perhaps the coaching can be found. That's true. That's true. I, I think anybody in their right mind would love to coach a player like that. You're you're right. Think Coach Staley survives? Uh, I think you have to take in consideration how they finish the season. I mean, they're right in the playoff thick thick of things. I mean, it's it's tough to fire a coach. A win tonight and they're in. Yeah, it's it's tough to fire a coach that that gets his team into the playoffs. It's it's so hard to get. It's so so hard to get into the playoffs. I don't care how you get in there, limping in there, sprinting in there, winning your division, wild card, just to get a chance to pay in the playoffs. Oh, my goodness, it's so hard, Jim. It's so, so hard. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald. Our show is brought to you by Brady Brand. Check it out at BradyBrand.com, including the brand-new Brady Pant. Go to BradyBrand.com. Get comfortable and feel better. Larry, let's close with the Packers. What a story that's been given up for uh, for lost for the season. And uh, they've had everything fall their way, and they've played much better football. Uh, beat the Dolphins, uh, got uh, Tua to uh, implode, causing a number of turnovers. They now have home games against the Vikings and the Lions, and they still need some more help. There's a scenario that's not too far-fetched at all anymore uh, that they can make the playoffs with victories. Uh, what about the turnaround in Green Bay? Well, I mean, it's all about Aaron Rodgers. He's playing really high-level football. The defense is causing some turnovers, and you know, they all you all you can ask for late in the season is the opportunity to control your own destiny. Obviously, they need they need some help, but they're playing against two teams that they know very very well. Um, and we've seen the Minnesota Vikings; they've won a lot of more closely contested games in history than anybody's won. So, in all likelihood, this is going to be a close game down the stretch, based on what we've seen throughout the course of the season. And can Aaron make enough plays? Can their defense make enough plays to be able to come out? It's going to be cold. It's going to be frigid. So that's a huge advantage for them. Uh, playing against a familiar team, like I, I like, I like the Packers' chances uh, against the Vikings and the Detroit Lions. They play really well, but again, it's going to be 
in a cold environment. It's going to be nasty. Like that, that gives the Packers a, a huge advantage, especially late in the season, December, January. They played really football. well when they didn't play really well against Carolina. They looked like the old Lions. No, I'm talking about they, they gave up, to, up to that. You know, you go back against yards on the. They gave up 300 plus yards rushing. Well, what they played against the Jets. Um, the way they had been playing a few weeks prior, they they, they were playing good football, Jim. They were playing right. good football. Right. But, I mean, I, I I like the Packers in both of these games, Jim, just based on what I've seen over the last few weeks. Um, but obviously, they still need help. And do you think that going forward, teams will be concerned about playing the Packers should they make it in the playoffs? Well, Jim, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, the Packers went out, they get a little help, um, and they beat the Vikings. That drops the Vikings down to – uh, the third seed, and I, I think it makes it interesting. I think it makes it if they play the Vikings in the playoffs, that's a toss up. I know, I know they do not want to see the San Francisco 49ers. I don't need anybody wants to see the San Francisco 49ers, but if they play the Vikings, I think they got a chance, you know. They got a chance, Larry. Great show today, terrific having you on as always. Wish you a very, very happy new year, and we will talk to you on January 2nd, next Monday night. Well, I look forward to it, Jim. You guys have a wonderful new year, and, uh, and I hope you guys have a great week as well. That's Larry Fitzgerald. He's with us throughout Super Bowl 57 right here on Let's Go. He is our expert, and any athlete will tell you it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com, powered by the number one mortgage lender in America, United Wholesale Mortgage LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 3038. It's licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Let's go presented by Hertz. We want to thank our terrific producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, with production assistance by Harris Fabishoff. And to our sponsors, USAA, American Express, Bank of America, K Jewelers, United Wholesale Mortgage, Brady Brand, Del Frisco's, and Hertz. Let's Go Podcast with Larry Fitzgerald was produced by 199 Productions and Scratchy Productions in collaboration with Shadow Lion. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy New Year. We will talk to you again next week. Happens to be next year, 2023, right here on Let's Go on Sirius XM. Sirius XM Podcasts.